think that is it. How is everybody? Yeah, it's good to see you today. So we have been going as a church family through the the New Testament book, 1 John, uh, way back at the end of the New Testament. It was written by uh, one of the apostles of Jesus by the name of John. And uh, we've established a number of things. I'm just going to give you a really kind of high in the air view. Uh, John has talked about God's love for us in Christ Jesus, God's grace for us through Jesus' death and resurrection, um, that God loves you and me unconditionally. And then he kind of shifts to talking about our, our daily life, uh, both within the church but also as Christians um, outside of uh, this place. And uh, we've, we've talked about a number of things, but last week uh, we heard John say, uh, don't say you love Jesus and hate other people. Pretty powerful message. Uh, love God and love people is the real scriptural command that comes first from Jesus. And, and we learned last week that we are called to love people like Jesus loved people. Um, well, today we're going to finish the second chapter of 1 John. So, if you could grab a Bible, and I would like to read through some verses here. First uh, John chapter 2, page numbers up on the screen, there should be a Bible around you if you are um, interested in using a church Bible or if you brought your own Bible. First John chapter 2, and if you could follow along as I read, beginning at verse 15. John writes, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son also has the Father. Um, can I just say that when we started First John, we said that, that one, of the, one of the reasons the letters are written in the New Testament is to correct false teaching. And that's an important chapter, kind of when you study First John. It indicates to us a little bit of what some of the false teaching going around the church was, that Jesus wasn't really God's one and only Son. So just wanted to uh, remind those of you who were here when we started. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and the Father, and this fellowship will enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about, uh, about those who want to lead you astray, but you 
have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you and so don't, you don't need anything or anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. What he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. All right, we're going to stop there. And we're going to have our question. Here is our question uh, for today. Um, What has brought you back to your faith or got you on track with your faith or connected you with your faith? So we're really kind of talking about um, maybe some renewed connections that have happened in your life spiritually. Um, what has brought you back to your faith, got you on track, connected you with your faith? If you'd like to answer the question, James and Terry will run the mics. You get their attention. Stand up, speak directly into the mic, give us a brief answer, and we'll take a few. Here we go. Good morning, everybody. Um, actually, when I was getting clean, you know, I came here the first time I talked about that, but I was at the Y, and um, they had people come in, you know, pastors and everybody come in and talk to us, and it really brought me back to my faith, and I wanted to kind of mention the why today, too, as we're doing this change collecting. Um, they really saved my family. Yeah. We, they helped me get, I was rejected for housing because I had a drug possession charge, and um, they helped me appeal. They helped my, me and my children get on housing and have stability. I've been clean six years. I've not committed a crime since. And I, would, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the why. So I appreciate that we are yeah. gathering for them. Thank That's you, guys. Excellent. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Excellent. I, I just want to, I'm thankful for my sobriety today. That's what's brought me back in touch. So. Your sobriety. Excellent. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Who else is willing to share? James, we're going to keep you busy here. All right. <laughs> Morning, Lighthouse. Um, my name's Jason. What brought me back was when Jesus breathed back into me after my overdose and strength of this church with Dale, the baptism, strength with my mom coming to church. It, it's just everything's, everything's good. And it's like when you're a good person and you try to do the right thing, blessings just fall all over you. They're there. You just got to watch for them. Thanks, Jason. All right, Jerry. Good morning, church family. What brought me back on track and connected me with my faith was relocating here to Fargo-Moorhead. This is a wonderful place. Um, I've learned more about myself and about my heritage and about uh, my renewed faith in God um, coming here to Fargo-Moorhead and um, coming to this church and coming here to NA and getting clean. I have so many blessings that I'm not going to sit here and, and go on and on about it. But you know what? Uh, God is in my life like never before. And, you know, God is love and Jesus is my higher power and my Savior. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> Job. All right. Um, good morning. Good morning, guys. Um, my name is Katrina, but um, my bottom brought me here um, just being completely 
and utterly exhausted with my life, the way things were going. I'm also, I also suffered from an overdose. So just coming back from that and realizing that life is precious and God can provide a life for me that I've always dreamed of. So I'm um, just following um, his will for my life and getting myself out of the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing. Wow. Anybody got anything for Terry over here on this side? All right. <laughs> Terry was dozing off there for a second. I had mercy on him. So uh, I'm Ryan. Uh, hello, ch church family. Um, I guess my bottom brought me back as well. But um, <laughs> getting me on track and connecting me with my faith when I uh, turned off talk radio and turned on uh, worship music, um, that kind of opened the door to prayer, which really... Um, just change the way I interact with my faith and the way it's kind of matured. So, yeah, that is an excellent answer. Thank you. That was part of my relapse prevention plan too. I remember way back when. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Um, actually, we should probably wrap up. So, is there one more back there? Yeah, go ahead, James, and we'll wrap up back there. Okay. Got to be quick. I'm very quickly at doing this. <laughs> um, I am so happy to be here. You can't imagine what the change it's made in my life to have a family here that understands what you've gone through mm -hmm. and how you're getting past it and how much you can help others. And it has made a whole change in my life. That's awesome. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And... Um, you know, I'm very um, well aware that there may be people who can't answer that yet because uh, you're not connected. And boy, we are so thrilled that you are here today. Um, an old cowboy told his grandson, the secret to a long, healthy life is to put a pinch of gunpowder in your oatmeal every morning. The grandson took his advice to heart, and every day for the rest of his life, he put a pinch of gunpowder in his oatmeal every morning. When he died at age 132, he left behind five children, 12 grandchildren, 35 great-grandchildren, 78 great-great-grandchildren, and a 50-foot hole where the crematorium used to be. All right, I don't know which one of these to share. Okay, I'm going to share the lighthouse one because um, I, don't, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't stare at girls, I go to sleep early, I wake up early, I work hard every day, my supervisors are happy with me, and I will definitely abandon this lifestyle when I get out of jail. <laughs> I knew somebody would appreciate that. All right. Uh, so, um, I uh, don't know if you left your Bible open, but chapter 2, verse 15 uh, really jumped out at me, and we're going to talk about it for a little while. Do not love this world, nor the things of it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Can I just say, ugh. Turn and tell someone, that is a tough verse. 
Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. I'm going to make a confession to you. Oftentimes when I come across a a difficult Bible verse, um, I want to just kind of skip over it and go to Bible verses that I like more. Um, But I've decided we're going to spend a little time on this Bible verse and the following verses today. Um, and when Paul, or, or excuse me, when John writes, do not love this world nor the things it offers you, I think to myself, that's a big problem for me. Because um, there is much in this world that I love. I love pizza and Mexican food, popcorn with lots of butter and salt, milkshakes and soft serve ice cream. I love strong coffee. I love my house. I love my Jeep. Um, I love nature. I really love the Black Hills of South Dakota. Um, I love to wear shorts and sneakers. Um, I love Michigan Wolverine football. Um, I love watching TV. I love, I love people in this world. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my grandchildren. I love my friends. You know, I'm really not that complicated of a person, and I'm not that difficult to please. But I do love nice things sometimes. I love comfortable chairs. I love a comfortable bed, a good pillow, Indoor plumbing. I love indoor plumbing. I love books. And in case you missed it, I love Michigan Wolverine football. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That is a tough verse. So what does it mean? Anybody? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to share with you um, a little bit of what I've come to believe, this verse and uh, the following verses. Um, Out of my study, out of my kind of faith, and out of my own lived experience, I want to share with you a little bit of what I think they mean to me today. And then you can uh, take it or leave it, okay? Okay. so one of the, the first things I want to say is I, I want to I be really clear that, that I know John isn't saying that we can't enjoy or appreciate what the world offers. Um, that's not what, what John is saying. I mean, look at the world around us. It is obvious that God delights in beautiful and good things because he has created so many of them. And in fact, the, the one Bible verse most of you probably know is John 3.16. And sometimes we kind of forget how it starts. It says, for God so loved the world. Yeah. So for, God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This place, this creation, the things that we have in this, this world and life uh, created by God and they are, they are cherished and loved by God. So they, they can be enjoyed by us. 
Um, so here's what I think John is talking about. And uh, it really centers on two questions. I put the, the two questions up on the screen. First question is, what is good for us? And I think we could add to that, what is good for me and honoring to God? And um, what or, or where is your identity? How do you define your identity or who you are? Um, so I, I want to talk about those two questions with you a little bit um, this morning. Uh, so let's tackle the first one first. Uh, what is good for you? Uh, what is good for you? I think this family knows. In fact, I know they know because I was listening to the answers to the question that we just had. This family knows very well that there can be really good things in this world, but that the really good things in this world can also become an issue for us. If you struggle with an addiction to anything, you can probably realize that a little bit of some things is okay, a lot can become a problem for you. If you struggle with an addiction to probably anything, if you're like me, you have already learned that, heck, I could probably cross-addict into anything. We have a mindset, and I don't think it's just, you know, people who struggle with addiction. I think it's a human mindset. Um, it comes from our sinfulness. Um, if a little bit is good, then more is always going to be better. I was, I was thinking about when my kids were growing up, um, my daughter Sarah over here, um, we were out to eat for pizza one day, and my son, who's not here, uh, Andrew lives in the Twin Cities. We were out for pizza, and we were, we were eating at what was my favorite pizza place, Happy Joe's. I'm still mourning, yes. And uh, we were eating, and um, my son, I think he was maybe in elementary grade, I don't know what grade or age, and he said, um, I don't know when to stop eating. So I, I took the opportunity to teach him a very valuable life lesson. I said, Andrew... You eat till you're full. And then just two more pieces. <laughs> right? Right? I got that right. <laughs> Motto I live by. More is always a little bit better, right? Um, so let me say this. Um, growth in faith will mean growing in discernment. Growing in faith, growing spiritual will, will, will mean that we have greater recognition of our human cravings and desires and we will be able to make decisions that are better for us and honor God. Can I just say that that um, is very true? But I'm 61 years old and I'm still learning myself. I am. Yes. And so, um, you know, this is a process that we all go through. Growth in faith will mean growing in discernment and recognizing our human cravings and desires and making better decisions um, as we grow um, decisions that will honor God. Um, but we need to learn to give ourselves a little grace as well. Uh, we have this freedom in Christ to live in this world and to enjoy the gifts that he has given us. And we have the Holy Spirit to guide us in our decision-making. Uh, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, writes this. Uh, 
You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Some real deep truth in that, isn't there? Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. By the way, um, I believe that one of the gifts of recovery for me has been that I have grown in gratitude and appreciation for what I have already. And I've worried a little bit less about the things that I don't have. Um, I've also learned to be more grateful for simple things. Um, and and um, not so much worried about um, things that are kind of beyond maybe my reach. And I've just grown in appreciation of, of the simple things that are around me. You know, gratitude is such a powerful force. If you are new in recovery, you're going to be hearing about gratitude all of the time. Gratitude is a powerful force, and it, it, it does so many good things in our life. Um, let me just kind of set you on that path that you can take with you today. Um, what is one thing that, one simple thing, one simple thing, everyday thing that you are grateful for today? Can you come up with one simple, everyday thing that you are grateful for today? And if you are next to somebody, can you turn and just tell them an answer? <clears throat> All right, let me hear a couple. Who's willing to share one? Yep. God's always there for us. Your house, your health. Yeah, big, yep. Children. Yep. Hot showers. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? Grandchildren. Grilled cheese sandwiches. I love it. Yep, I love it. Yep. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think that one of the best things that we can do is, is begin to look for the simple things that we've just come to take for granted and, uh, and give God some, you know, thanks for those things. Uh, so th that first question, um, you know, what is good for me? What is good for me? Uh, second question is, what is your identity? Um, and this is a much harder question, so bear with me for a few minutes. Uh, many of us struggle with this question of what is my identity. Um, and, and how you answer that question is going to say a lot about you and your spiritual soul, your spiritual well-being, and your values. Um, it's going to say a lot about how you define yourself and what's most important to you. So I'm going to make a confession. I've struggled with workaholism my whole life. Workaholism isn't just working too much. Um, it's really kind of deriving your sense of value and worth from what you do. And that can kind of be good and not so good at times, right? And, um, you know, for a lot of my life, um, probably still times today, if people ask, you know, Dale, who are you? First thing out of my mouth, I'm a pastor, huh? It's what I do, right? And, um, you know, if you are somebody who kind of derives uh, your value, your worth, you define yourself by what you do, um, you already know it. You're with me right on that one. 
Um, but there's a lot of other ways that we might define ourselves. Um, how do you answer that question? It'd be, an, you know, it'd be an interesting conversation for us to have. Uh, for some of you, it might be, you know, probably alcoholic or addict. Um, some, perhaps, um, your sexual identity. Um, for some of you, I know that you are defining yourself still today by negative sex, or excuse me, negative self-talk that you learned when you were growing up. Things that, that were told to you, whether it was by parents or other people, or you just learned to tell it to yourself that I'm not going to amount to anything. I'm a failure, I'm a loser. And that is how you've been identifying yourself still today as an adult. Um, it's possible that some of you have learned to identify yourself with some of the mistakes that you've made. And so I might ask you, you know, who are you? The first thing out of your mouth might be, well, I'm a felon. You know, around here, that's a lot, there's a lot of barriers. That's the first thing that's on some people's minds. For others, it might be the things of this world. Um, you know, I define myself by my stuff, my toys, or, you know, my, my stock portfolio or savings account. Whatever it is, that's who I am. Or it might be success and status. Uh, John wrote about that. Um, we're going to read that again in just a second. But, but, you know, how is it that you define yourself? So I want to share with you out of the Bible and out of our faith um, how, how I would say God would have you and me define ourselves. Um, if Jesus is in your heart, if you've invited him into your life, um, it is he who defines our identity. And so if you um, know Jesus, you are first and foremost a child of God and all that goes along with it. That you have been created in his image, that you have been created by his own hand, a masterpiece. He says you are very good. And that you are a sinner, that your life is not the way that that God intended it to be in the first place, that you struggle with things that are under your control and beyond your control, that you want to be in control, uh, but that you, not a person in here, is beyond redemption. And that if you know Jesus, then you know that you've been redeemed through his death and resurrection, that the Jesus that we sang about earlier has come and died on a cross and was raised from the dead. I might not even understand how it all works, but somewhere in my heart there's this faith and trust that, that I, I am redeemed and I am who God says I am now. Just uh, last week or two we talked about how, you know, for the rest of our life still, we're going to be on this path of, of living in this tension between being at the same time a saint and a sinner. Somebody who is righteous not because of our own actions but because of what God has done for us in Jesus but somebody who still struggles. Going to happen the rest of our lives. And so um, John writes... Verse 16, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It's like John would want to say that if you are, if you are kind of defining yourself around 
your, your, your sense of success or status or possessions, you realize those are going to all be gone one day. That no matter how much stuff you get, how big our successes are or our status is, we're going to all be dead at the end of our life. And we ain't taking none of it with us. So I want to share with you um, something that I have shared in my teaching over the years. Um, you'll now see for everybody who's wondering why is there a black dot on my shirt. Wear yellow and use a black marker. It really makes a lot of sense. So um, Now nobody can, nobody's going to look at me the rest of the thing. You're staring at the dot, aren't you? Next week I'm bringing an extra shirt. All right. So um, can, I, uh, can I say that I've taught this over the years and um, it's been something that um, I have, I, I don't remember it being taught to me, it's just, it's kind of a basic thing, but it's something that um, I realized um, I can evaluate my own life um, it, by this and kind of see how I'm doing with things. And um, it's really, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk about some of the priorities we have in life. And, um, and I've found that when my priorities, um, the things that I value um, the most or I know I should value the most get out of, kind of, out of order, um, my life doesn't go so well. And there's days like that all the time now still. So I've gotten better maybe most days, but I'm still capable of being a mess. Um, but I would also say that um, the people that have come to me for kind of pastoral care or counseling, um, when I've met, this is one of the first things that I look at um, and kind of evaluate because, because I think that um, sometimes um, we get kind of caught up in, in placing things of value um, above what really should be of the most value in our life. Now, you're in a church, so nobody's going to be surprised um, if I tell you that from a biblical standpoint and in my life, my objective, my goal is to try to put God first in my life. Um, if you are struggling with a life-controlling issue, chances are that life-controlling issue has taken the place of God in your life. It's been an idol. There was a period of my life when alcohol was number one in my life. You with me? And so um, if, you, if there's something kind of going on that is uh, really, you know, unsettling, this is the first question. It's amazing when we kind of start to get this right. In the days I get this right, uh, the rest seem to kind of fall into place a little bit better. So, um, th by the way, one more thing about putting God first. Um, if you're in a 12-step program, that is what 12-step programs are trying to do. That was a big shock to me. When I went into a 12-step program and I learned that they're just trying to put God first in my life, um, you know, that's exactly what any 12-step program is trying to do. You go through the steps and it's, it's leading you towards that. Uh, next, um, and your, your list may be different than mine. Um, I'm going to challenge you that, that it may not be as different from mine as, as you think, but... Um, here's how I would make my list. I would put um, that in my life, I should be putting my spouse second. 
not before God, but more important than the other things in my life. Even when I was um, raising kids, um, I, you know, I, I knew that, that the best, you know, I tell this to couples all the time, best gift you can give your kids is to show them what a good marriage looks like. Uh, some days I succeeded at that, sometimes, some days I failed. Um, I would put my kids, um, my grandkids next, family. Family on, on whatever level, however you're defining family would go next. Um, and here's where it sometimes gets kind of uh, challenging for me. Um, I tend to, uh, the older I get, feel like friends should be next on my list. Um, that, that there's a lot of relationships in my life that though I'm not the best at kind of nurturing them, they're pretty important and they should have some value in my life. Um, here's the deal. This is a workaholic telling you that in my life, I know that my job, my vocation, my calling should probably be down below all those other things. Um, and that, that can be, that's been a challenge my entire life. My dad taught me one thing, it's how to work hard, yeah? And, uh, you know, there can be other things that flow. So, you know, if you have hobbies, like, um, you know, I would, you know, come fall, Michigan Wolverine football comes right up here somewhere. Um, I, I do think that, that um, the list can go on and on and on, and, and sometimes it's important for us to do some evaluation. So uh, for people who have some real, real um, fun or, in, you know, hobbies that they're really vested in, things that they really like to do, um, sometimes that kind of flows up the list. Like I've, you know, I've met with people for whom housing or hunting um, in the fall can, tends to be right up here. Most important thing in the world. And, uh, you know, you kind of know where you is. I challenge you to do a little thinking um, about that. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I have found over the years as I have taught that is that, that what I just shared with you stays with people. So give it some thought this week. What's your list look like, if you're going to be honest? What do you want it to look like? One of the things that is interesting is that it's not necessarily how much time you spend on each thing. Because um, I, I have a full-time plus job. Um, I spend most of my waking hours doing my job, honestly. Um, so it's not so much where you spend the most time. It's more of an internal perspective. What are my values? So, for example, in regards to your job, how might you bring God into your job? And how do you not allow your job to kind of interfere with, with family or with some of the other priorities in your life. So um, I come back to this list on and on and on, and, and when, I'm, when I'm not doing well, when things aren't going well in my life, when I seem to be kind of self-destructing, um, I go back to the list and do some evaluation. So uh, in the next section, I'm just going to kind of uh, wrap up here um, with you, but in the next section, what John talks about is, is uh, a little bit about the importance of what we believe, that, you know, this kind of stuff grows out of the teaching that we learn in our faith, and so he's very concerned about, about what it is that we are learning and teaching, 
Um, and he talks about, um, you, you might have noticed it um, when he, like in verse 27 says, you have received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you and you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what is, teaches you is true. Um, literally what he's saying is that, is that you know, you and I are equipped with, with a brain, with common sense, most of us, um, and, and uh, the Bible and the spirit that lives in us, and it can kind of guide us into truth. But, but he's not arguing against staying within a community where there is teaching. Uh, but we are responsible, each one of us, for our own faith and growth. And um, by the way, um, some of you are probably hoping I was going to talk about the Antichrist because he mentioned that twice. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, Literally, he just refers to it as somebody whose teaching opposes um, what is true from from what would be a biblical sense in our life. All right, here's how we're going to wrap up. So um, um, my final word about the verses that we've talked about today. Um, often I stand up here and I say um, part of our goal and objective um, in our spiritual journey is to evaluate where am I on my spiritual journey today. Where am I today? I'm not back there anymore. I always say that. That's where I'm going. Um, God's desire is for us to continue to grow. And um, you're never going to arrive at the place of spiritual perfection. Um, I, I, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, and if you're like me, there's going to be days where you get off track, maybe even weeks or months or seasons when we get off track. And um, that's where we started with the question, what kind of brought you back? You know, God is always looking out for us. He's always after us. He's wanting to reconnect us and to help us back onto that path of spiritual growth. If you're here today thinking maybe it's time for me to, to look for some spiritual growth, um, you know, open yourself up to what God wants to do. Um, here's the thing that, that um, I wanted to share. John only alludes to it in, the, in chapter 2. But one of the things that I have learned as I've grown spiritually and moved down the path, um, and, and as I've gotten older, so there's a little bit of age thing that goes on here too, um, the more and more I've realized that this is not my home. That, that um, as I kind of grow spiritually, um, there becomes this, this sense that I am growing spiritually and, you know, I, I think maybe I, I continue on a path with the Lord, um, some days better than others, but I also realize that, that this is not where I'm going to be for eternity and that this is only a little bit of what um, God has prepared for me. And so there's this rich sense that, you know, the New Testament talks about, you know, keep your eyes on the things that are eternal because the things here are going to fade away. And um, if you're, you're, you know, if you're growing spiritually and wondering what's a, what's a real challenge that I could put before myself, it would be to keep your eyes on those things that are eternal. And remember, this is not your home. With Jesus, we know that what God has prepared for us is going to be so much better than any Happy Joe's pepperoni pizza. (laughs) Or soft serve ice cream. Um, Michigan Wolverine football. Or whatever it is that kind of 
you've kind of grown in love with in your daily life, um, what's next is going to be so much better, so much better. Because uh, we have a God who just, you know, is gracious and continues to walk with us on this path until that day he calls us home. Um, and then the new life begins. The new life begins. Amen. So.